everyone. Welcome to the Grove Church Cultivate Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove, and really glad that you've joined us. And if you have joined us these last few episodes, you'll know that we're in a series where we are looking at pretty common, maybe popular verses that often either get misquoted or misinterpreted or very often with both. We've talked about that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We talked about God won't give me more than I can handle. God works all things for good. Money is the root of evil. We looked at some of these Old Testament um, promises where God says he's going to bless or prosper us in some way. And just kind of looked at all of these different ways and kind of different ways we kind of misunderstood some of these. And we've got one today that I think is incredibly popular. It's perhaps maybe the most, one of the most misused verses. It, it is in a, I will say it is in a battle with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As far as the one that I think is misunderstood, misquoted, misused the most. And if you've been joining us throughout all of these podcasts, we we uh, you've probably heard me talk about this before because we did a sermon series uh, around some things in the Sermon on the Mount and talked about this passage where we talk about whether or not, you know, don't judge or you too will be judged. We've talked about it and we did a podcast on it as well. And so even though we have touched on this verse before in a podcast, I thought it was important to cover it again because we just kind of, I want to kind of have this this section of, where all of these kind of very commonly misused verses are kind of all together in one section of our podcast. And plus, because it is so very commonly used and misused, I don't think you can't, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Once again, just kind of emphasizing what I think is an incredible spiritual point that needs to be made from understanding this correctly, but also just to kind of disabuse us of some really some wrongheaded thinking about this idea of what it means to judge. And so the way that this gets used, I mean, we're all familiar with the verse. It's in Matthew chapter seven, verse one, do not judge or you too will be judged. So you just take that verse by itself and, and, and people will use it in a, in a, in a context. The most common context is just someone is doing something wrong and another person, I'm doing something wrong. And somebody points it out to me, Hey, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong. And then I can respond to that by saying, hey, the Bible says you can't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. Or I hear you talking bad about somebody else, saying that you think somebody is doing something wrong. Hey, man, the Bible says don't judge. Can't judge. Or you absolve yourself from commenting or thinking about something or some, what someone's doing. It's like, well, it's, it's not my place to judge. Only God can. The Bible says to not judge. And so the problem is... It's not that all of that is wrong. It's not that all of that is bad. It's just some of it is. It's not everything on that list is really not what the Bible calls judging. It's certainly not the thing that is prohibited here. Because the way that it often gets used is because the Bible says don't judge or you too will be judged, I no longer have the right to speak into someone else's life if they are sinning or failing in some way. Now, once you say it like that, the Bible says, I do not have the right. It is never my place to look at someone who is sinning, who is broken, who is doing something that is causing them or others damage. It is never my place to come up to them and say, you shouldn't do that because that's judgment. I think we can all recognize on its face then that that's preposterous. That is, in fact, the opposite of what much of the Bible tells us. 
much of the Bible actually talks about how interconnected we all are and how all of our decisions affect one another and how we have a responsibility, not only, not simply to ourselves, but we have a responsibility to one another. I need to be very concerned about how my actions affect you. You need to be concerned about how your affect your actions affect me. And we are in this together as God's people to help one another make sure that we are acting in ways that are appropriate, that are God-honoring, that are healthy, that are helpful, that are productive, that are, you know, serving and loving one another well. And if I see you doing something that is causing you you know, you're, you're doing something to hurt yourself, or I see you doing something to hurt someone else, I absolutely have a responsibility to step in, at least in some way. And so whatever do not judge means, it cannot mean that I do not have the right to step in and say, that's wrong. And so we may need to use some different words at this point to kind of describe different things, because judge can be used so broadly. So if I am, let's just say that I am at a distance from someone who is doing something wrong and I internally say, hmm, I wonder if that's right or wrong. Wait, I think that's wrong. He punched her in the face. He stole her purse. He killed that other dude. He just shot him. And for me to step back and at least in an internal monologue say, that is not right. That is sinful. That is not judgment in this sense. We'll just call that assessment. That is assessment. That is me looking at a situation and determining the morality of it. And that assumes, of course, that there are, in fact, some fairly black and white, right or wrong kinds of situations, stealing, lying, murder, those kinds of things. I mean, you can, if you want, you could nitpick this all you want and say, well, you don't know everything that's going on in that situation. Maybe it was a justifiable murder. Maybe it was right. Maybe he wasn't stealing that purse. He was actually, that was his wife's purse and he was getting it back from the original thief or something like that. I mean, let's, okay, sure. But let's, let's just kind of, let, let, let's stop with the, with, with the ridiculous nitpicking, at least at first, and, and, and assume that there are some very clear-cut sins that you can observe. I mean, if you're a parent, you've observed any number of very cut-and-dry sinful situations that you have the ability to assess whether or not it was right or wrong. And you see them and they're wrong. That's not judgment of a person. That is an assessment of a situation. So if I'm assessing a situation, when does it cross the line from I'm just assessing a situation to I am judging a person and I find myself in violation of this clear command of Scripture to not judge? Well, as always, the best way to make sure we understand what he's saying here is um, to read the passage. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. We'll go to verse 6. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet 
and turn and tear you to pieces. So there's, there's a couple of things that I think that Jesus really draws out. And the, 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 the second one is the one we'll go to first because it is the, the clearest and far and away the least controversial. And it has to do with this idea of you got the speck of sawdust in your eye and the plank in your own eye. If you are going to make, we even just did that, a moral assessment of what someone is doing and go to them and say, not just thinking it, but go to them and say, you shouldn't do that. Before you take that upon yourself, you better make sure that things are clear in your own life. You do not get to go to someone and say, how dare you cheat on your spouse when you are, in fact, always cheating on your spouse? You do not get to be someone who lies all the time and go to someone and say, hey, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't lie. Hypocrisy is the thing that is is one of the main things that Jesus is speaking out against, to live and act like a hypocrite, to act as if someone else's sin has a greater significance than your own. And he talks about this in terms of speck and log or speck and plank. Like you are coming to see they've got a bit of sawdust in their eye and you've got a giant plank coming out of your eye, which is, of course, an unbelievably ridiculous image. And I'm all for ridiculous images and ridiculous metaphors. Having somebody with some giant plank in their eye trying to come and and get a speck out of someone else's eye. You got a plank coming out of your eye and I can't even get close enough to him to get the speck. But the idea really being, if there is an entire log in your eye, you cannot even see clear enough. You are so neck deep in your own sin that you cannot go to them. You can't even see it clearly. And so the idea here is that it is very important that you be have a primary focus on what is going on with you. And if you walk and act like someone who has everything together and goes to someone and says, hey, you got something in your eye, then you're a hypocrite. The idea that two people can come together both with, you know, pieces of wood in their eye and can come to each other. It's like, hey, I know I've got some things going on with me too, but I see some things in you. Maybe we can work on this together. And so an acknowledgement. And so if, if we are going to step into one another's lives and, and stay away from what the Bible is calling judgment, there needs to be first a recognition that I need to work on myself first. And second, once you recognize that you also are someone who has stuff in your eye, then it's not, I'm not coming to you in a critical sense. I'm not coming into you with my own relative superiority to you. I'm coming to you as someone, I've got some things in my eye. I see some things in your eye. Can we work on this together? Once you have, once you, so, so I, 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 I purify myself, if you will, of hypocrisy. I get rid of hypocrisy and I recognize that I also am someone who is a sinner. And if I recognize that I am also someone who is a sinner and I'm working on the things that are going on in my own heart and life, now I have the requisite humility to then come to you and say, you've got something going on there with you in your eye. And they come back to you, you've got it in your eye too. It's like, you're absolutely right that I do. And I would love your help as well. So you're not coming 
from a place of moral superiority because you've got the giant plank in your eye. You're coming to them with humility as someone who collectively, we both have things going on. So we want to remove hypocrisy from it. And once we kind of understand hypocrisy and we understand that I'm not coming to them as someone who is morally superior to them, then, then actually we go back to the first part, the thing that Jesus is communicating, and it all starts to make a little more sense. Don't judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so I'm not coming to you with a, a moral superiority. I am recognizing that we are both people who have dirt on us, dirt in our eyes, problems with our lives, that we are both sinners. So I'm coming to you and that with that sort of humility. And so now then, because of that, I'm willing, you know, to put the hypocrisy aside. And now I'm not, when I'm talking to you about the situation, as I've assessed what's going on with you, I'm not coming with moral superiority. And what I'm also then not coming with is I'm not determining who you are or your value based on your actions. And so that's what it means. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if I come to you and say, because I see sin in your life, I either, one, think I'm morally superior to you, which he talks about in the second part, or because I see this, I begin to question your value or your goodness based on my limited observation of what you're doing which again ties the plank in my eye to it. I'm only seeing what's happening in this moment. I can't see the bigger picture. I don't know really who you are, and I'm not going to determine who I think you are, your value, your worth, your relative goodness, based on a moment or just a couple of moments. Because I recognize, again, having rid, trying to rid myself of hypocrisy, I recognize that I am a sinner as well. And so I come to you as a fellow sinner, not with a judgment about who you are or your worth, but I come to you as a concerned friend and say, you've got something in your eye and I think it's uh, important that you work on that. And so don't judge or you too will be judged in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. I want to be judged as someone who is a follower of Christ, who is saved completely by grace, who needs help, overcoming some issues in my life. That's how I want to be judged. And so that's how I'm going to judge you. I'm not going to determine whether or not you are a value or a good person or a good Christian based on my limited observation of your behavior. And so I think the, the, the hypocrisy of this, the judgment then becomes when I see what you do, I see what you do and I determine then that you are a bad person with bad motives, but I do similar bad things but I am either misunderstood or it was an accident. It's out of character for me. I, I, basically, I've got reasons for why I do what I do sometimes, but you've got nothing but excuses that are covering up a significant moral defect that you have that I don't have. And once you begin to judge people that way, then I'm going to determine who you are what your character is by only the limited amount that I see, that's when it becomes judgment. And so with that becomes the very common thing of where I determine, even maybe we're not doing the same sin, I determine that my sin 
is a normal sin and your sin is an abnormal sin. And so then certain types of sexuality are understandable. It is, it is understandable to, for a guy to watch a little porn sometimes, and that's, you know, I, yeah, that's not a big deal, but, but to cheat on your wife is way, is, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's inexcusable, you know, uh, mild, well, that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't really racist, you know, and, and, and we, we, we just kind of minimize certain things. We've talked about this before. We put homosexuality into that, into that category, that homosexuality is, is the worst of the sins. And the, and the sin, but the sins that I commit are, are, are secondary. They're, they're normal ones. I get, again, I think it's really important. We've talked about this before. And I think this is one of the things that Jesus is trying to get at. There is not normal and abnormal sins. There's just sins. There's not the ones that kind of get you, bro, I get it. It's no big deal. And the ones that are, these are the ones that determine you're a terrible person. Obviously there are ones that have more significant consequences. I mean, in, 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 in a real sense, um, murder is worse than shoplifting a candy bar. I mean, it's just be honest in a lot of real tangible ways, we can say that one is worse than the other. But I think in the way that we approach one another, it is important for us to have an attitude that we are all sinners in this together. And I'm not going to assume that I can know everything about you from what I see. And I'm certainly not going to assume because your sin is foreign to me is different than mine, that it is also then necessarily worse than mine, that mine is understandable and yours is not understandable. Because again, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And so the sin that you are very casual about um, can be a very serious one to someone else. Um, I don't know if I've referenced this here before, but I remember growing up just noticing this phenomenon. I grew up in a, in a, in a very evenly mixed race town. And I know that the church that I grew up in was very casual about racism. It was to be said, I, I remember hearing this said that, um, yeah, you know, this person's a good Christian, but you know, he's a bit of a racist, which is a, just a really bizarre thing to say. In our tradition, there were sins that were, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it's not that big a deal. But adultery was the absolute, it's impossible. You could, would never say that you're a Christian, but you cheat on your spouse. I mean, you, you just wouldn't say that. And then as I grew older and became acquainted with other traditions, I, I recognized, hey, that there were some where, that where adultery was just more commonplace, not honestly commonplace, but wasn't frowned upon at the, at the highest level that it was in my church, but that racism, on the other hand, was severely condemned. Now, I ask you, which one of those perspectives is right? Which one of those is the worst sin, racism or adultery? I don't know. Does that feel rhetorical? I'm sitting there just kind of just even thinking to myself as I say it out loud. Is that rhetorical? I mean, they're both, they're, they're both sinful. And, and, and my cultural difference is my perspective and the way I was raised kind of makes me think one is worse than the other. So I'm say, we need to stop with that. We need to stop because ultimately what it leads to is the thing that is most normal to me becomes okay. And what you're doing though is bad, which is how too often Christians have gotten very comfortable with the sin of greed because the sin of greed we talked about in a couple episodes ago um, is very common. The pursuit of more, the desire for more, it's common enough where it's, oh, well, you know, but, you know, 
what we would consider very normal and commonplace approaches to sin and greed would be very, very off-putting in third world Christian cultures. But we've determined that because they are so common amongst us, that they're not that big a deal. I've gotten a little bit off the rails here. It turned into a small rant there, but to kind of tie it back into what we're talking about, to make sure that we are avoiding what the scripture says here, when we says don't judge, we need to make sure that we are checking our own hypocrisy, that we are not determining someone else's value based on the limited amount of things that we can see, and we are not categorizing our sin based on our own familiarity with it, and therefore making someone else's sin worse. And so as such then, for me to be able to come to one of you, to a friend, to a family member and say, hey, you need, to, you need to work on that. I have that freedom. If I can come to it with this attitude that says, I'm not making any determinants about who you are as a person, just looking at this behavior and for your sake and for these other people's sake, you need to change that behavior. But we, we are in this together. So again, thanks so much for joining us on the Grove Church Podcast. If you've got any more uh, examples or verses that you'd like to talk about, feel free to see, send them to me charlie at thegrovechurch.org. And if you are local in Northwest Arkansas, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. And if you're not local and you'd still like to join us in some way, we're always streaming our 1030 service. You can find us on YouTube or Facebook, and we would love to connect with you any way that we can. Again, Charlie Lofton, lead pastor at the Grove Church. And thanks so much for joining us.